Hulu's Golden Globe-nominated comedy Casual returns as Alex, Valerie, and Laura try to rebuild their lives outside of the home. But new friends and lovers can only do so much to distract them from a shared history of dysfunction. From director Jason Reitman and writer Xander Lehman, all new episodes of Casual are now streaming on Hulu. Very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday. Hopefully you had a lovely weekend of not doing a whole lot or just catching up on TV. Apparently the night of aired uh, as you listen to this, the night, night, the night before. <laughs> and The night before. The night after, the night of, the night before, two nights before as we're coming to you right now. I just literally, I literally said yesterday to someone, oh, Ben will be watching the night of, the night of, and then I felt very silly. Yep. But yep. we're all going to be watching, and in general, it's been an interesting summer for TV, I'd say. Would, wouldn't you agree? Has you there bet. been Has We've there been it. any really big stories, though, like beyond, like people have been excited about the night of? Uh, like really big shows? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, that show. That show exists. (laughs) I like to pretend that the get down, that people are very, very excited and and everyone's buzzing about the get down as they should be. Uh, Roadies was obviously a massive success. Uh, (laughs) It's been picked up for at least six seasons, I think. I I can't remember what the number was. Unprecedented six season pickup. Yeah, right away. Like locked everybody in. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, Mr. Robot's been cruising a little bit, a little bit bumpy. Unreal, same way. But, you know, there's been some good stuff this summer. Yeah. um, As we draw to a close. As we draw, and what's interesting is that you know, as we prepare for the onslaught of fall TV, uh, one network is getting kind of a head start on it. Uh, we are, of course, referring to FX, um, which is a network that we talk about, I think, an awful lot. And actually, is it's but it's not we it's not one of those networks we talk a lot about, like say, you know, Hulu or Amazon, where we're not totally sure how many people are watching. And it's not like one of these networks like HBO, where of course we're talking about them because they're you know killing it in terms they're they're killing it in terms of audience and also doing very well for themselves in the awards market instead of fx is kind of occupies this very weird place within the television ecosystem but it also has led to some of our favorite shows well i'd say i'd say there's a weird distinguishment in my mind between and what fx actually represents in that we don't talk about their shows in terms of FX shows. Like, we talk about HBO in terms of HBO shows. We talk about HBO dramas, and we talk about HBO comedies. When we're talking about FX, we're constantly talking about their shows, but we're talking about them in, in very specific contexts. Like, I won't shut up about The Americans. I won't shut up about Archer. I won't shut up about You're the Worst, and that's going to continue throughout all of this episode. Um, there's so many of their shows that we talk about individually. I just never feel like there is a collective understanding of, like, this is FX programming. This is what it is. This is how good it is. And these are all of the great shows that they have. You know, it's one of those things where I wanted to strongly disagree with you. And then I was going through, but this morning I was going through a list of every all their original programming, past and present and future. And I realized that, I realized I was looking for the killing, and then I remembered that the killing that's was on AMC. AMC. That's AMC. <laughs> and I feel like, I mean, I feel like that's, I mean, it's not a thing that happens to me a lot because I'm, pretty good at remembering this sort of stuff but i feel like there is an there is like something about the premium pay the premium non-pay cable the premium ad supported cable uh you know channels that exist right now we've got basically with the big two being of course amc and fx and then uh more you know more 
attempt uh, more uh, more smaller more smaller geez uh smaller <laughs> upstarts like uh you know sundance ifc what are what are some other good examples bbc america bbc america is coming into play you know yeah um, and by the way it's worth noting that all th- three of all three of the ones i just mentioned are owned by amc networks yep <laughs> amc's just got a bunch of little guys creeping up yep and meanwhile fx just has fxx and fx movies and I don't know what other FXs there are. I don't know either. I think there's a lot of them. There's a lot of FX and Xs. A lot of yes. Xs and FX. And certainly, like remembering what shows are on FXX versus FX proper is sometimes a challenge. Um, but the point is, yeah, like, they keep shifting them. Well, they're tricky. I mean, you say that you don't have a clear conception in your head of what makes an FX show. Oh, I I have a clear conception oh. of what an FX show is. I don't feel like anyone talks about it in the same terms as they do HBO. HBO is a brand, and you feel like they're a brand because of their their great programming, because right. they've had all of the, like the, like you mentioned, they've had a lot of critical hits as well as a lot of audience favorites, a lot of ratings monsters, and a bunch of Emmys darlings. FX has done the same thing. They may not have a, a Game of Thrones right now, um, but they, they've had these big ratings hits. There's, there's a lot of popular shows on FX. It's not something where... We talk about a show on FX and people don't know what the hell we're talking about. It's not like some of the smaller networks that we've mentioned where we mention right. a show and they're like, I don't, I'm not sure what that is. They know what their, the shows are. They just, they're not necessarily caught up. They're not necessarily thought of as the same way as you think of an HBO show. Yeah. And it, it makes me, it makes me realize just how goddamn genius that HBO tagline, it's not TV, it's HBO is like, it's it's striking. It's just striking how clearly that defines whether or not it's true doesn't matter. You buy that tagline and you commit to it. Like I'll never forget the bit in uh, um, I Love You, Man. Is that the movie? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And Jason uh, Segel. And yeah. Jason Segel. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It is I Love You, Man. And but like they're, he and he and Rashida Jones have the standing date of HBO Sunday nights. Sunday nights. It's like and they're like, but it's not TV. It's HBO. You go home and watch TV with your girlfriend every Sunday night. Well, it's not TV. It's HBO. Yeah, no. Th- thank you for thank you for that. Dramatic. I don't know if that was spot on. That's, I think it was pretty. That's it was my, much closer than I was. That's my getting. fuzzy recollection. Yes. But yeah, um, no. It's a, it's a great branding, and, and again, like what's so great about FX is their marketing campaign is great. Like the the ads they put out are great. The posters they put out they are great. Everything they do supports the creatives. I love everything about FX. I just feel like it's one of those strange things where I kind of shrug my shoulders. I'm like, I don't know why we don't talk about them more in in terms of a company, in terms of a brand. And especially this year when we're looking at, you know, an incredible dominance of, of, of Emmys, like uh, of awards recognition. I mean, they, they got up to 56, I think, nominations this year. FX Um, did? Yeah. And, uh, you know, People versus O.J. Simpson mm. is second highest of all of them. Fargo, I believe, is third, um, and then Veep is right behind it. So they're sandwiched like right in like HBO with Game of Thrones number one, uh, then FX, then FX, then HBO again. But I mean, they're right there. Like they're competing on that high of a level, and it's very, very impressive. But I still don't feel like we talk about them in the right context. I don't think that we talk about them in terms of that brand. And for for viewers, for just casual viewers out there. I feel like a lot of people think about, oh, new HBO show, I should watch that. Oh, new Netflix show, I should watch that. I think it's 
oh, new FX show. You should watch that. I think it's gotten to that point by now. You should be watching just about everything they put out. It should have gotten to that point, but it hasn't yet. Right. And I think one thing it's worth talking about is something that you brought up before we talked. We started this podcast, and I feel like I don't know. We've been we've been saying a lot of very nice things about FX, uh, but we don't love everything about FX. Very specifically, is distribution methods. Right. Um, Yep. And it's not necessarily the fact that it's ad supported. Like the ad, it seems like they've actually done a really nice job of finding a way to work with sponsors and work with adver- work with advertisers in a way where, you know, they can still have really challenging programming and still put you know commercials in the middle of it. Uh, it's not that issue. It's more. It's really more about the way in which we all watch TV now. Yeah, and and to go along with the commercials argument. I never feel like I'm watching anything censored or less than when it's on FX oh God, compared yeah. to compared to HBO. Their their content is uh, is as adult as it comes. Yes, uh, so. let's let, let's consider this a PSA for anyone who's looking forward to uh, the season three premiere. If you're the worst, yeah, do not watch it in public. I've seen a lot of tweets. That, that don't necessarily specifically call out you're the worst, but they basically say, oh, I thought I was just going to sit down and watch the screener. I didn't realize it would start with an explicit sex scene that lasted, you know, three or four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I think one of the things that may be holding back just the conversational element, because I can't comment on, on the business side or where their profitability lies. I'm, I'm not an expert in that realm whatsoever. But in terms of, of buzz and, and general conversation online, I think one of the things that might be holding them back is the fact that they don't have an OTT service. Like They don't have something where you can just watch FX whenever you want to watch it if you're not a cable subscriber, if you don't have access uh, through some other means. They have FX now. That works fine if you have your, you know, have your cable, cable subscription and your password and all that. Um, or somebody's cable or subscription. <laughs> somebody's. We'd never, never advocate for that. that. Um, but yeah, like they don't, like HBO has jumped over that hurdle. They've got HBO now. If you don't want to subscribe to anything except HBO, you can do that. If you want to do your 30-day trial and then get suckered in for a few months, if you only want to subscribe for the three months Game of Thrones is on, you can do all these things. And that's something that FX doesn't quite have yet. And they do release some of their shows on other platforms, like Hulu is doing a great job of getting You're the Worst out there. And I hope that everyone is catching up on You're the Worst before its premiere Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday. Tuesday, August 31st. Yeah. Uh, wait, no, Wednesday. Wednesday, August 31st. Yes. Wednesday, guys. Don't listen to the Tuesday comment. If we um, only had multiple calendars hanging up in here. Right, if we could only keep track of this in some easy way. Yes. But, uh, but no, I hope everybody's doing that on Hulu. But because they don't have all of FX shows available where you can just watch all of FX programming whenever you want to and catch up on <laughs> all the stuff that we critics keep badgering you about, uh, like the Americans, guys, catch up on the Americans, then, you know, it's it's a bit of a challenge. And that's on Amazon. So yeah, they're, like, literally s- splitting up some of their content into, amongst different online platforms, which, you know, not everybody has a subscription to Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, let alone HBO Now and well, all these other ones. Who's the, who's, what's the production studio on, on The Americans? Oh, that's a great question. Liz. Because I think that that might be an affecting factor. Because the important thing to remember is that just because a network distributes a show doesn't mean they own the show. It sometimes it means they do. It often, more and more often, in fact, that means it does. But you will find a lot of examples of shows that you know are produced by one studio and then are released on another on a, another network. For example, uh, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a 20th Century Fox production, 
and as a result it uh you know that's why fx got the reruns when uh when buffy went into syndication uh because corporate synergy uh it's amblin and fx productions okay so maybe amblin's currently there's been some change over the years really like dreamworks was involved Ah. Uh, for a little bit, uh, Fox Television Studios briefly. So, like, kind of the change over there within the company. Okay. So the point is, is that you know, yeah, the thing is, it's messy, and like, you know, and that does affect branding. Like, if you know, you tell your friends, I I was browsing through Hulu last night, and I found this really great show called You're the Worst. Have you seen it? You're not talking about it in terms of FX. You're talking about it in terms of yeah. And again, like to the business side, there's definitely hurdles they got to have. I'm not saying like, hey, all of a sudden they can just have their FX now be available for 12 bucks a month or whatever. I know that it's not that easy, but at the same time, in terms of, of making it available like that, it could really boost the brand and, and help things out in, in the new era of how we watch TV. Well, and I think what's important to note here is that this is all changing really fast. And, you know, it wasn't too long ago that all Showtime, that a, a ton of Showtime programming was available on Netflix. Right. And they've There's really... still some that's on, like, they just released Penny Dreadful on Netflix. Oh, really? uh, Like, last month, even though Showtime's got their Anytime app. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, like, if Showtime was really trying to make their app a thing and really trying to cement everything, like, they would, Penny Dreadful would not be available on Netflix. And I think... The thing is, HBO can get away with this to some extent because they've always been so good about owning everything they do. Um, I think Ben is looking up Dexter. Yep, all eight seasons of Dexter, also available on Netflix. There you go. (laughs) Not that you'd want to watch all eight seasons of Dexter. Hot tip. Hot tip. Um, I mean, maybe it's a situation where, like, once the genie is out of the bottle and people are used to doing things like, discovering Dexter on Showtime or discovering the Americans on uh, Amazon Prime, like, can you go back and be, you know, more loyal to the original network? It's, I mean, it's, it's a good question. It's, it's interesting. Even today, I'll talk to people who I consider pretty knowledgeable about TV or watch a lot of TV and kind of how they identify shows with certain properties. Like if it's, if that's how they watch it, that's how they think about where it comes from, mm-hmm. you know, very few people think about the production company, you know, to begin exactly. with, which is way off the board. But even, you know, FX is the distributor for all these shows. And yet if they watch it on Hulu, they may think you're the worst as a Hulu show because they don't have cable and they only see it on Hulu. And they're like, well, that's just, that's a Hulu show. Yeah. Um, they, they may see those logos that flash at the top of the screen and just be like, well, that's the production company or that's just the logos. We're going to fast forward through that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to think about it, but it's it's interesting it's interesting to me that there just hasn't been more attention paid to FX and to kind of go along with that we should talk about what they've got coming out yeah. right now as well the as their history and what they're kind of changing cuz you've done some research into some of the stuff that they've they've they're very aware of in terms of their showrunners in terms of their executive producers in terms of the people behind the scenes and the stories they want to tell um, like a lot of networks talk about doing, I feel like they're pushing in the right direction in reality. Like they're actually backing up what they said last year and, and are doing something about it. Well, I mean, it's not even necessarily a pledge. It's like, it's not even necessarily that they made a pledge last year and now this year they're following up on it. Um, they've, 
during at TCA's, basically one of the major issues, of course, facing a lot of different networks right now is the idea that, you know, is, is the issue of inclusion. Like, you know, making sure that not only are not, not only is every single person involved with your production behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera a white male, like, but also making sure that they have an opportunity to really succeed. And there's a lot of really exciting initiatives being done in this regard. Uh, FX, basically Landgraf, John Landgraf, the president of FX, took it upon himself personally as, I, I screwed this up, this is a failure of leadership. This is, his, this is quoting him from TCAs. Yeah, Liz did not fail. I, I did not fail. Liz is an excellent leader. Aw, thank you. Um, but Landgraf, uh, Landgraf basically said he, was, he took it personally, and so he was able to present numbers at the TCAs saying, that as of since June, 51% of the directors hired by FX showrunners uh, were uh, either, 51% were either women or people of color. And I think Ben might be double checking that number for me. Uh, but the thing, the important thing about that is he basically talked to all his showrunners and said, hey, you need to do, we, we all need to do better. And that is an important, that's important. Like it's important to talk about, important to think, to take care of this and Ben is going to be thumbs up on that number I mean and the reason it's worth talking about this is FX has released probably about like ballpark three dozen shows um, over the course of its um, original program uh, course of its delving into original programming it's kind of a ballpark um, I and it's, that's this is FX and FXX FXX um, Everything under the FX Networks brand. Exactly. because Especially because they went back and forth from time to time. Right. Um, yeah, get ready to watch Archer on FXX now, guys. Oh, is that really happening? Yeah. Oh, good. I think we've actually talked about this on the podcast. You seem in denial about the fact that Archer is going over to FXX. I just kind of am in denial that FXX exists. You can't be in denial. They've got so much good stuff. Yes, they've but I have to Archer, figure out where it is. You're the worst. They got they've the got Simpsons. It's Always Sunny. They've yeah. got The Simpsons. It's true. Anyway, continue, sorry. All right, so um, I'm happy to present this list of uh, people I found working behind the scenes at uh, on various uh, FX programming that are women or people of color going back pretty far. Um, the list consists as, as follows. Um, Guillermo del Toro is an executive producer on The Strain. Nina Jacobson, or he's a co-creator at The Strain, I should say. He's not actively involved with it, I think, anymore, but he's definitely there. Uh, Nina Jacobson is the ex one of the executive producers of American Crime Story. Uh, the Bridge was co-developed, co-created essentially by Meredith Steam, who previously created Cold Case. This is The Bridge. I feel like I said the title twice. Um, uh, George Lopez is one of the co-creators of St. George, which was canceled. Jackie Schaefer uh, was the co-creator of The League with her husband, Jeff Schaefer. Uh, Major Laser has an executive producer named Kevin Kutsadu, who I could not confirm any in information about. I believe he's the manager of Diplo, uh, who is one of the creators of that animated series. Uh, another animated series with uh, two people of color behind the wheel is Lucas Brothers Moving Company, uh, starring uh, with Kenny and Keith Lucas. And then Totally Biased with W. Kamel Bell was featured W. Kamel Bell. Um, of the shows I just listed, uh, exactly one is Guillermo del Toro still has the strain, and American Crime Story is coming back for a season two, uh, though I and Nina Jacobson should be involved. Uh, all the others are no longer on the air. Uh, so that, but fortunately, and 
and this is not meant to be like, oh, they're the a show is bad because it's created by a white man versus or a show is better because it's created by a person of color. The point is is that you know, FX has had a real diversity of a real diversity of voice in its in its, you know, programming and it's gotten brought some really unique talents to the front forefront. Like I'll be completely honest, I was not I did not know anything really about Louis CK until uh I, I didn't follow his stand-up, and I so Louis, the show Louis was really my introduction to him. Honestly, it's it's hard to imagine anyone giving not Donald Glover. I've been waiting for Donald Glover to have a show for a long time because right. we've known how intelligent he is, what his background is in in everything basically. Like he dabbles in so many different. He can do everything exactly. Like it's he's, he's an incredibly impressive human being. So you're just waiting for him to create something. I am impressed that that. Any network really would take a chance on Atlanta. Atlanta is not a show that's easy to market. It's not a show that's easy to sell. It is a half hour. I can't even call it a dramedy. Like I can't even blend it together. It is a. It is its, its own unique story, and I'm very excited to see it unfold. I, I I love what I've seen so far, but you know it's great that they put that out there. Like it's great that they were like you know what we trust this guy and we trust this pitch and we trust this quality. And you keep seeing that again and again. You just keep seeing quality win out, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same. It is exactly the same approach and attitude that has led to so many great FX shows in the past. The most important thing right now is that they are kind of they are looking beyond, looking looking beyond for new perspectives. And another show that's coming out in the next uh, two weeks, I believe, is uh, Pamela Adlin's Better Things, and that's co-created by with Louis C.K. Louis C.K. directed at least one episode. And and so there is some of that tone to it. But Pamela Adlin was also, remember, a really big important part of Louis. Mm-hmm. They've been she and Louis have been collaborators for a while. This is just much more her own thing and it's really extraordinary. It's a great show. Can't wait to see the can't wait to see as much of it as I possibly can. And I don't wanna be I, I don't want to ever really frame this conversation because I think that's how it's going to be how it's gonna happen once this all these articles start churning out. Um, but if you miss Louie, if you are one of the people who are very frustrated that he's not bringing back season after season, year after year on, on a schedule, this is going to fill that void and then some. Uh, it's, it's great television. But it's also going to be a real introduction for people who, even if you, di- if you didn't watch Louie, Better Things is very much going to be something worth checking out just because Pamela Adlin is such an interesting creator. And she's playing, especially if you're, like us nerds about showbiz comedies like she's playing a lot with those sorts of tropes and it's really fun um yeah it's um it's a very strong perspective of a single parent as well um the the children in it are are good uh everything kind of about the construction of it is is very interesting in the way that her mind works and the way that the story unfolds and kind of the the artistry behind it. So again, this this kind of strong creative voice is being backed by a network um, that's that that I think that's their brand. I think their brand has started to become they'll back something that is that is different, that is that is original. I'm gonna quote my favorite my favorite Landgraf thing, which is the thing I probably I, I feel like I've mentioned this so many times on this podcast, and I apologize for that. But it really did it really did strike me at the time because I I love this approach. You know, there are three thing, factors they look for in a show that they keep on the network, according to Landgraf. One, does the audience like it, a.k.a. ratings. 
too. Does do the critics like like it? AKA, you know, do they get good critical response? Do they get good uh, good reviews? Do they get awards attention? And three, do does effects like it? Like, does it is it a show that matters to them? And so if you and if if the show meets two out of three of those characteristics, it stays on the air. And that's I feel like that's part. I think probably the reason why that's really stayed with me is in part because there's a, some there are shows on FX that I don't personally care for. Like I respect the hell out of the strain, but I don't really feel the need to watch it. Um, I you know there there are a couple you know American Horror Story is always one I want to get engaged with and then you know completely ignore. Then back you watch out. it. And then, and then I watch I it. See the first episode. Yeah, I mean, but anyways, it's 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 not like FX has a perfect batting record for me. But at least with that with that, that three tiered approach, I understand why they keep certain things on the air versus why they don't. And I like that. I feel like that's valuable. Yeah, it's it's extremely valuable for people in the era of we don't know what to invest in. There's so much TV, and if you're worried something's going to go away, you're just going to wait until you know that it's not. Um, you can get a good vibe of, of how long something's going to play out pretty quickly on FX. And, and I, I'll admit on a, on a very biased level, I love John Landgraf because he gives me numbers every TCAs. And it is so fun when he gives me numbers. And his approach to the TCAs is so specific and unique. His, his discussion with critics is so much his own thing. Some people fear it. Some people look forward to it. I am definitely in the latter camp. I can't wait to see what he's going to give us every year because, like, that story you told, Liz, when he saw the numbers of, of you know, the minorities and the women who were running FX shows, and he was aghast by it, and he was just, he was like, we got to do something about this. I completely believe it because that's how he looks at it. That's exactly how he looks at his, at his world, at that right. FX property. He looks at it through this very specific gaze of, of, of numbers and data. And that includes a lot of, you know, critical response and, and awards and, and other, you know, more objective and subjective categories. But I don't know. It's just it's fascinating to kind of see that process unfold. And I really just I just want people to watch You're the Worst, Liz. I think that's what it boils down to. I just yeah. want uh, you uh, know, seven should. seasons of You're the they Worst, eight, nine, as many as they want to give us. It's it's a glorious show. It is. It does feel actually like a show that could easily run eight or nine years. And you know yeah. what? They, you know, hey, and it's not impossible. All, Sunny in Philadelphia is still with us. It'll, God, God it, bless it'll, them. it'll outlive us all. Yeah, uh, um, I hope so. But, um, yeah, with, uh, and I think, I think it's worth noting one thing that FX was early on, and has been very, very good about is when you when you are a creator that FX wants to be in business with, you are in, you can do, you can be in business with them forever, like. I think Ryan Murphy's a great example. I always forget that Ryan Murphy's first show for FX was Nip Tuck. God, remember Nick Tuck? N- I try Nip to forget Tuck. it. But I mean, it proved like Ryan Murphy proved he was really great at making this kind of television, and audiences really respond to it, and FX really enjoys it. And so now Ryan Murphy has gotten some really amazing opportunities to create television that's at least worth looking at. Um, I, you know, like American Crime Story was extraordinary. Um, and I, yeah, I, I mean, Duel's going to be an interesting show. Like, at the very least, like putting Jessica Lang and Susan Sarandon on screen and having them catfight. 
uh, feud, Liz. Feud. 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 Why did I say duel would be if equally okay title for that show? Sure. But feud is feud is the actual title. Thank you for that. So I mean, duel is just too attached yeah. to the Steven Spielberg film TV movie. You have a deep attachment to the movie about the, 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 we the all truck do. that's trying don't, to... Don't pretend that we don't, Liz. I mean, it is. Yeah, okay. Fair. But no, I mean, there's examples out the wazoo. You've got Noah Hawley who yeah, I was struck say. with Fargo, and now he's working on Legion. Uh, and by the way, and it's like one of those things, too, where it's like they're not expecting him to do just do another thing like Fargo. Legion looks to be very win- interesting and very weird. He's really trying to push himself, and they're supporting him in that. And not only that, but they give him the time that he needs to do both. Yeah. Like they're not pressuring him to make sure that something comes out every September, you know, or every April. They they want to make sure that this the quality is there and that the the size of the episode order is right and everybody's kind of happy with that with that fitting in. And I mean, we wouldn't have Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll as his new favorite show without uh, Rescue Me, without their devotion to Dennis Leary and and Rescue Me. So there's there's definitely some uh, some respect paid to the creators and if they get something right if they show two of those three things that fx likes they're gonna keep coming back to them and more importantly creator creator focused television in general is a major factor in what we call the golden age of tv yeah. um so i think and so fx was early on that and actually another thing they were early on is kind of a looser approach to release schedules then it speaks to what you're saying about like the show comes out when the show's ready to come out. Um, you know, they they always they always seem to be premiering just a couple weeks before or a couple weeks after the flood of other programming, which is very smart. But like you know, you know they're like like we said their fall comedies are starting up in like the next two weeks when some kids aren't even back in school yet. Um, the uh, the you know American Crime Story premiered like the last week of January or for, no it was like February second so it was technically kind of in the middle of sweeps so um, I'm right about that um, yep. Ben's doing a lot of fact checking of me today but February that's good second. I I do I do I do need that sometimes yeah. um, that's right here but yes uh, the internet. Anyways, yeah, point is, is that, like, they've always had slightly unconventional approaches to release dates. Uh, not always, but, you know, they, you know, push, they push things uh, when they need to be pushed, and it's interesting to try to keep up with it. They're experimental. Yeah. In a lot of different ways, in both their acceptance of creative vision and trying out new shows and different shows, shows that don't fit into a specific genre or can necessarily be pre-sold to certain categories. Um, the... And, and as well with their distribution methods, which is why I hope, however it can work out, that someday I can give them $10 a month and have all my FX programming sitting for me on one little thing. I mean, it is it is fascinating to think, like because we're talking about untangling deals going back decades. Yeah, it's not an easy thing, especially when you're a cable. Like, this is a cable network. It is. This is not a premium cable network. This is a, a basic cable network. This is somebody who has ties to a lot of different organizations, and, so it's it's tough. And unlike HBO, like, yeah, it's it's a, unlike HBO, like, it's it's not, it's just tangled up in so many different things. I keep using the word tangled, but, I mean. Tangled. Tangled, but it's like, it's like part of a massive corporation that also owns a broadcast network, and the relationship there is confusing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we don't, we're not going to pretend to understand the legal journeys necessary to, for FX to be available as a standalone over-the-top app. 
but that we can watch on our, our you know iPads and whatever. The fact they have HBO and not HBO now, FX now is an important step. The fact yeah. that they are in development on that app yeah, because they're, they're aware of what they want and what is demanded of them by their audience. Have you actually used the app for watching? I have, yeah. How how is that experience? It works great. Great. It works great, yeah. How would you compare it to would you say it's better than HBO now? No, no. Um no, but it's comparable. Okay. It's it's yeah. I mean, they're it's it's a it's a great app. It would work fine if 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 it was standalone. Cool. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's pretty good for FX discussion on the day. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, the, the most important thing we can just say over and over again is, you're the worst. Seasons one and two are on Hulu. Streaming right now. If you do not care for them, that's fine. No, it's not. I mean, I'll I, fight you. Ben, you will have to fight Ben. Yeah, which you'll probably win. I'm very small. He is. He's small and weak. Well, that's I don't, that's rude. No, you're not, well, you're weak of. You, no, I'm you, pretty weak. It's okay. <laughs> you're strong of spirit. Mm. You, you you can beat him into a pulp, and he'll still be in the corner muttering about yes, how you I should will, watch. I will still try to convince you the whole time that you should be watching Chris Gear and I Cash on You're the Worst. And Catherine Donahue. And Cather and Desmond, all of them, everybody, anybody. Jan- Stephen Janet Falk Varney brings in. Watch them. It's yeah. worth checking out. They're, it's a delightful show. Wednesday, August thirty first, premiere of season three. It's great stuff, guys. Yeah. We've seen three episodes. It's tremendous. We've anybody seen two. who loves oranges. No, we've seen three. You've seen three? Yeah. I've only seen two. You're drunk. There's no. three. We'll discuss this later. More importantly, another reminder, another way to try to hook people. Samira? Samara? Riley? Samira? Uh, Samira? Samira? Samira. Samira White, right? Sorry, apologies. Yeah, um, she's guest starring. She is uh, recurring on the season yeah. as, uh, as a therapist. She is wonderful. She's really great. I don't even have a strong attachment from Orange is the New Black, but I know a lot of you do, and you should tune in. Yeah, she's playing a very different character, but it's delightful. Um, before we move on to best thing, next thing, I have a couple of shout outs. Ooh, wait. Do you have your question, too? Do we have a Ooh, question for readers? I don't know if I have a question. I'll try to think of a question. You do your... Okay. Do well, I wanted to... We had got a note from Shayna, uh, who, who uh, wanted... Going back about two episodes, we were talking about eating while watching TV. And Shayna tries not to eat anything while watching TV, because then I have the tendency to finish a whole pint of gin and berry cookie dough during one episode of The Mindy Project. Which sounds like actually a pretty nice Friday night to me, evening to me, but there are twenty. Great. But with twenty six episodes of the mini project a season, I understand the temptation, the the need to you know mo- practice moderation. They Shana, cut that back for what? They cut that back for their next season, right? Maybe, maybe they only went. I to think 13? they're. Sh- I think they're shorter. Okay, that's yeah. good. We'll double check. We'll double check. Um, Shayna also actively enjoys eating during Hannibal, um, <laughs> which is. You know what? God bless you, Shayna. That is that is an achievement beyond beyond our scope. <laughs> <laughs> Though I mean, uh, no, wait. Yeah, I was about to say like some of the food looks pretty nice, and then I remember the last scene of season three with Jillian Anderson, and then I took it all back forever. Sixteen episodes in season five of the okay. project. Okay, thank you. So only sixteen pints of Ben and Jerry's. You should probably not do that. Mm. Maybe just eight. Every Love. other episode. Delicious. Um, and we also got an email from our new friend Roger, who wanted to, who also loves eating while watching TV. Is mad at Ben for not liking Game of Thrones m- enough. Get over it. <laughs> That's mean. Well, they have enough fans. I, they can have one detractor to try to keep them in check, since everybody else is apparently blind. <laughs> That's so mean. You're hurting. It's you're- FX day. <laughs> and uh, but watch Ro- the Americans go, Americans. Game of Thrones can suck it. No more Emmys for you. Uh, 
so mean. You'll have to settle for your your ratings dominance and your <laughs> cultural dominance. Everything that you dominate, you can settle for that. Just leave my Emmys alone and give them to the Americans because the Americans is the best. <laughs> Uh, and Roger, Roger also shares that he eats dinner while watching Jeopardy with his wife. Uh, Beautiful. So, which I, I actually really like the idea of that as a dinner, as a di- regular dinner time companion. Liz, I think you're forgetting the most important part of Roger's email. What was? Liz, I think you know what I'm talking about. It's the part where you said he really liked the leftovers. There it is. Um, in fact, he brought up the leftovers as a sign of why he's really sad that you don't like Game of Thrones because you otherwise agree with him so much. More importantly, he brought up that he looks forward to my leftovers rants, which makes one person, I think, who looks forward to my leftovers rants. So I'm going to keep him Certainly going. Certainly the only one. Well, room. no, there's at least two. There's at least two. Shout out to Angela. Okay. Angela, we love you. Oh, <laughs> we do not love Angela as much as Angela loves you. Debatable. Okay. Debatable. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, I think the question, uh, I think, here's the question. Do you think about, when, this is a question for, for you to answer, email Liz at IndieWire.com, Ben at IndieWire.com with your answer to this question. When you watch a TV show, how much do you think about the network that's distributing it, especially if you're watching on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon? So again, that question. And what's your favorite network? And what's your favorite network? If you do, if you have one. If you have a favorite network also, what is your favorite network? But do you think about networks when you are watching TV shows on Netflix or Amazon or Hulu? Desert Desert Island Network is a tough thing for me to decide. Yeah? Yeah. But it would probably be FX. We've had this discussion. How could I leave the leftovers, Liz? How could I leave it behind? But yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know. FX. I feel day, like fine. I feel like leaving the leftovers behind is quite a poignant, uh, quite a be, poignant statement. Then, if the leftovers teaches us anything, is that we can't hold on to anything. It's true. We all have to let go. Yeah. Let go of that lighter. Leave it in the grate. Indeed. So, Ben, what was the best thing you watched on t- best thing you watched on TV last week? Uh, the best thing I watched on TV last week. <laughs> was um let's go with gamora let's say the sundance tv series gamora it is an italian import Mm -hmm. uh it's already aired two seasons over in italy it is being sold to us through sundance as the most popular italian television series ever made uh which is quite a statement um but it is it is an interesting show to behold it is very dark um, it's a, it's a, it's the story of a, of a gangster family, of a mob family in Italy. Uh, Camorra, I believe is what they're referred to. Um, it, it kind of digs into a lot of familiar elements for anybody who watches mob movies or, or mob TV shows, but the history behind the show is what kind of makes it terrifying in the sense that it's based, it's inspired by a book by an Italian journalist who basically since he wrote it, since the book came out, had to go into hiding for fear that his nonfiction analysis of this organization and this very real crime syndicate in Italy would get him killed. So these are very real stories and very real people, and this is a fictionalized account of it. Um, but it is, it's a beautiful show to behold from a directorial standpoint. Uh, it's very well written. The characters are very well rounded, and it's, it takes you inside in a way that you may not be comfortable with. Um, so if you can get to it on Sundance TV, they're airing two episodes apiece for the first season of 12 episodes over the next six weeks. Um, yeah, that's my pick. If you like the movie, uh, I can't say that you'll like the show. It's very different. 
but there are uh, a couple of key commonalities. So, um, is that being is the journalist you refer to a character in the show? No. Okay, feels like it would have been. Yeah, a lot of people have compared this series to The Wire, and I can kind of see it if you cut The Wire in half and got rid of the cops, got rid of those side stories, and you're only focusing on, you know, the the west side and east side of Baltimore cruise. Right. But it, to me, it's it's much more like a traditional mob story like The Godfather or The Sopranos, but without any kind of attempt at empathy for these characters. Like, they're, you're not asked to strongly identify with them so much as be aware what they're doing is real and, and scary. Interesting. Uh, but Liz, what have you watched in the past week that you fell in love with through your television or your computer monitor? Well. Or your phone. Well. Or your tablet. So I'm in Fringe Season 4 right now. Oh, Jesus Christ. And Fringe Season 4 is kind of boring. I'd forgotten that Fringe Season 4 starts off really interesting and it gets kind of boring. Um, but fr- the Fringe Season 3 finale is just incredible. Just incredible. Um, I cannot express enough. <laughs> what are you... I cannot express enough to you how crazy it gets. And I'll, I'll do that off the air because I don't want spoilers. But anyone who's listened to this podcast before, <laughs> what are you doing? I just, what's the point? Let's hear some music. Okay, I have an actual pick. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, this is, well, okay, I will also. To a stranger. I, I will also <laughs> If you can tell me what that song's from, Liz, I'll give you I'll buy you three sandwiches. Warrior? <laughs> Incorrect. Great <laughs> guess though, Liz. Great guess. It's from the leftovers. Season two, episode nine. I was going to guess that next. Yep. You could have had some sandwiches. <laughs> I could have had a lot of sandwiches. Anyway, what's your pick, Liz? What do you okay. got for us? What's well, real? Stop talking. About I have fringe. now. I have now seen. <laughs> Shut up. Fringe is great. <laughs> I will not hear Smack talk about Fringe. Right. Um, I'm not going to say it's my favorite show on television, but I did enjoy the Narco season two premiere. I did. It's the it's the first part of that statement <laughs> that terrifies me, Liz. Even hinting at it being like within the realm of favorites that's quite no, but a statement it's, it, it, i mean i think i think there narcos definitely has its fans i really respect where they're coming from and i think there's a lot to be said for the way they're approaching season two basically the really interesting thing about season one of narcos versus season two of narcos is season one of narcos takes place over the span of years they're compressing an insane amount of history an insane amount of of you know drug drama into like 10 episodes season two of narcos takes place over 18 months and it's very focused on one specific storyline uh, that, w- w- when will it wrap up? Who knows? But it has something to do with our good friend Pablo Escobar. Um, <clears throat> yep. And so it's, I, I, I did enjoy, I went to the premiere. I did enjoy it. Um, I think that show has a lot of, to recommend it, um, not just including the fact that Pablo, Pas- uh, pa- uh, Pedro Pascal is amazing. Oh, my God. He's great. Whatever. He's great. He's fine. You've all, you haven't seen Nar- him in Narcos. He's really fun in Narcos. Um, and also, like he and he and his partner now have like a total, you know, reluctant buddy cop thing going on. And I you feel like, like buddy cops. Yeah, 
it's an enjoyable it's an enjoyable trope. Um, it's not really pushing the boundaries in that in, in that regard, but it's nice. And uh, yeah, so there's that. And I also want to shout out uh, in doing some Emmys prep yesterday, Emmys uh, research yesterday, I finally watched uh, the song that Gallivant was nominated for oh for best original song. And Gallivant was a ridiculous program and a ridiculous it was ridiculous that it existed to begin with. But um, the opening song, A New Season, is one of the most meta, self-parodying things. Like, they literally make fun of the fact that their original theme song was too catchy and got stuck in people's heads. And there's even a point where, like, somebody's trying to sing it and they're just like, da-da-da-da-da-da, Gallivant. And it's great. It was really fun. I enjoyed it, even though I didn't watch any of Gallivant season two and I'm the reason why it got canceled. Wait, no, that's not my fault. Well... Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Oh, the next thing I'm looking forward to, as in a, a television program that is about to air or currently airing, as opposed to one that's been canceled for like a year. I brought up one that's currently airing. You did. You did. That's fair. Um, I don't think we've talked about this show before, uh, but it's it's getting ready to premiere very soon. We're both, I know we're both very excited for it. Uh, Wednesday, August 31st, You're the Worst, Season 3 starts up um can't wait i mean i just that's obviously the next thing i'm looking forward to um technically i've seen that episode so i'm looking forward to episode four but um but yeah can't wait for uh for more you're the worst and if you're gonna make me if you're gonna twist my arm make me pick another show that i want a little bit more of i want a little bit more ballers liz yeah what the hell ballers i want some ballers screeners because they fed my addiction my guilty pleasure addiction earlier in the year uh, by giving us what five screeners, five episodes, five episodes, they five, gave us five full episodes, episodes right at like I mean months, maybe, maybe not months, weeks to a month in advance right. of the premiere. They haven't given us anything else. No HBO. Even even the episode that has already aired is not on the screener site. I know. I just and have... they and they gave it a season three. It's not like they don't like ballers. Oh no no no! They're very excited about ballers, and I, I feel like Liz's episode views have been getting extremely good reactions from Dwayne the Rock Johnson himself he's probably crying over the fact that they're not out there right yeah now. Like the, they're keeping they're me one from violence um so HBO I know we just spent 30 minutes talking about the greatness of FX but you know if you want to get back in the conversation bribe us a little bit give us a little uh give us a little sugar yeah give us a little, little bit of the rock a little bit of ballers action and here i'm gonna sweeten the pot for you next thing i'm looking forward to is high maintenance oh shit a show that hbo is putting some resources into and hbo don't you want us to love and support high maintenance too like we are very excited about checking out high maintenance we are very excited to support what is a really interesting play for you guys in terms of taking a Vimeo a, a, a original web series and making it, you know, one of your next big potential comedy alt comedy properties. We want to be there and support you in this matter, but also we are going to need some baller screeners. So you're saying that even though, excuse, sorry, even though we have, well, we have a lot of high maintenance. Screeners, we got, I think, yeah. We got a good chunk of them. Yeah. You're not going to review it or pay it much attention. You're holding. I'm Those not officially hostage. holding. You're holding it hostage until you get baller screeners. I'm not saying that officially. Mm. I am not saying it's, that officially. I might not, be str- strongly implying it. it. <laughs> I feel like this was a court case and they played this recording back. They'd probably look at you and you'd laugh and they'd be like, all right, yeah, Liz is guilty. Yeah, that's probably actually how, that's how any court proceeding with me is probably going to go down. 
they, you laughing? Yeah, <laughs> me laughing and me, me, me going to jail. you of something and you just laugh at them? Yeah. You sound like, you sound like a legitimate sociopath. That's <laughs> terrifying. You're laughing in the face of the people who are going to throw you in jail. Well, just, it's a... It was just strikes me. It's just a ridiculous situation. I mean, sad. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna cry later. You have to laugh. You have laugh to cry. Then you're gonna laugh first. You're gonna cry later. I mean, I feel like I feel like it's kind of similar to on The Good Wife. Whenever Alicia would be accused of something ridiculous, pol- something ridiculous political, her reaction would always just be like to laugh. Like uh, Alan Cumming would come up to her and be like, "So there's rumors going around that you're a secret lesbian," and she'd be like. <laughs> Yeah, but wait, were they true? Because no. we're talking about something that's true right now. Like they're oh. accusing you of something. Well, I was you know going. It's true I was operating under the assumption we all assumed that I was not saying outright that I was going to blackmail HBO over my lack of baller screeners. This Pretty is going. Pretty sure you are though. Like we're in no, the middle. No, I'm of just. It right I'm not. Now. I'm not officially. For the next, for the since three minutes ago, we are, we're, illegal. Like we're could be federally investigated for blackmail. I don't know what they would. Is that really how blackmail works? I don't know. Okay, we should do some research on I'll that. Watch some TV. See what the, <laughs> see what comes up. Yeah, I mean, my 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 keen legal understanding of the world based on my viewing of television should be able to walk us through this one. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> great. We are the grinder. Yeah. Oh God, the grinder will help. Um, <laughs> so we'll post our findings on this important legal matter and also. I will start doing Ballers Reviews again. I'm going to start doing Ballers Reviews again. They can't keep me down. (laughs) (laughs) This has gone off the rails. Just, what's next? What are we I'm saying go to IndieWire.com for my Ballers Reviews. That's what I'm saying, Ben. Great. And if you'd like to hear a professional podcast where people don't talk about blackmail and Ballers screeners, (laughs) uh, make sure you listen to Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn. I can't promise that they don't get a little wacky sometimes because I've heard Anne talk about Keanu and it's one of the most delightful things you'll ever listen to. Uh, so make sure you seek out all of the Screen Talk episodes. They are, whew, where are they at? Like 120 right now? Something like that. One, they're pretty high. One, one, 110 at least. 110, yeah. They're, they're getting up there. So uh, backlog if you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. And in case you missed it earlier, because I'm not sure we got to it, the emails for the question about... Uh, Your favorite network. Favorite network, and if you think about networks or not, when you're watching shows, particularly on streaming services, Liz is at Liz at IndieWire.com. Ben is at Ben at IndieWire.com. Send us your thoughts. Yes, we'd love to hear them. We love to hear all that stuff. And Sometimes. Don't yell at me about Game of Thrones. You're not going to convince me. You're not. It's really sad. I appreciate the email, though. But most importantly, you guys, don't you can email us or not, follow us on Twitter or not. The most important thing is keep watching television. 